We come today to one of the most famous passages in the Bible about Christ. We read today about his humble coming down to the earth as well as his going up and being exalted. Most scholars even think this passage was an early hymn. Well, today we'll find out that this passage points out who Christ is in the lives of those who are in him and what that means for us. Know the Word is a McGregor podcast that offers a relevant and refreshing focus on understanding and applying God's Word to your life. We'll discuss life-changing truths of biblical faith that comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. I'm your host, Nathan Bottomley, and joining me today is Faith and Abigail. Join us as we open the Bible so that we can know the Word. Well, welcome, Faith and Abigail. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do you guys have any interesting facts about yourselves that are worth noting? Yes. You do. What are they? Okay. I'll go first. Um, <laughs> I am Abigail Miller. I am actually married to the executive producer of the entire McGregor podcast, <laughs> Christian Miller. Ah, uh, yes. We love Christian. <laughs> um, I am married to Nathan Bottomley, and we have been married since I was 18, and we have two daughters, and I will be 22 by the time we have the second. Fun, fun. All right. Well, let's let's dive into our actual content here from Philippians. Thank you both for being here. So, uh, come Christmas time, we seem to dive into certain passages in the Bible. Uh, so, what I wanted to ask y'all is, what passages do you guys read or even think of when Christmas time comes around each year? I always think immediately of Luke 2 because I feel like that's the passage that everyone reads in church on like a Sunday service or Christmas Eve service. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, I would say Luke 2. I grew up reading that every year at Christmas. Um, also Isaiah 7 where it's the prophecy of um, Jesus' birth. Yeah. Well, so last episode, we started uh, chapter two and we looked at the first four verses and we talked about how there is a desire for unity. And we landed that Paul highlights that humility is a key, if not the key, <laughs> to unity. It's being concerned for others. And then here comes this passage that we're going to look at today, chapter two, verses five through 11. And the reason I bring up Christmas is because when we think Christmas, we think the incarnation of Christ. Christ comes in the flesh. And that's really spelled out in verses five through eight. So I'm going to read the entirety of the passage uh, and then we will dive in. So Philippians chapter two, starting at verse five. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. So 
we'll kind of split this into two sections. Verses five through eight talks about the incarnation. So my first question to y'all is what does Paul write to the reader to do in these verses right at the beginning? In verse five, it says, have this mind among yourselves. So context is key here. What mind? I would say based off of the verses following a mind of humility and service to others. Right. So he just finished talking in verses one to four that humility is key to unity. And here he begins to use Christ as the example of humility. So remember Christ's incarnation, Christ coming to earth. Uh, there's a few places or a few phrases within what we've just read uh, between verses five and eight, let's say, where we're reminded of Christ's humanity. Can you guys highlight for me a few of those phrases that highlight Christ's humanity? In verse eight, it says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself. Yep. And in verse seven, it says he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Yep. Yeah, there's a few places where, well, multiple phrases that refer to Christ's emptying himself, leaving glory, uh, being humbled and taking on humanity. So setting aside his deity. Now, that's the other important part to who Christ is. There are a few places that highlight Christ's deity. Can you guys, same thing, can you just find me some phrases that have to do with Christ's deity being highlighted in these passages? Verse six, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God to be a thing to be grasped in the form of God. Yeah, he was in the form of God. So. I think this is, this is always a fun one. And this is a fun one when we've done, you know, we've done studies outside of the podcast in like Matthew or talking about who Christ is. Uh, and even in, you get a lot of this in first John that's just coming to mind right now. First John. So why do you think Paul makes such a point to highlight both Christ's humanity, but also Christ's deity? I personally just thinking off the top of my head. Um, when I read it, I think it's like, Paul's trying to emphasize the fact that Jesus didn't have to be humble because he's God and right. he created everything. And, you know, he could walk around all haughty, high and mighty because he is. Right. But um, him being the perfect example, he yeah. doesn't have to be, but he is. So why should we not be humble if we don't deserve anything that Jesus deserves? Yeah. Any other thoughts? Nope. I would say something I find really interesting is that we can't belittle Christ to either just a man or, or just God, like he came like an angel, because that doesn't accomplish the gospel, yeah. right? I mean, and I think this is one of the beautiful things about these verses and what makes them so powerful when we think about the gospel is that Christ, we've, you know, we've kind of talked about this before, like Christ had to be fully man to be able to, pay for our sins, mankind's sins. But if he was fully man, he would have been born in sinful nature, right? Man, mankind is by default sinners. Well, laying aside that, that's a massive point that you could, you could mine that for hours and hours. And so I'm not going to dive too further, too much further into that, but it's important. And it's everywhere through the Bible. When you think of Christ, he's not just man and he's not just God. Uh, I think it's actually RC Sproul says he was it's, it's not even enough to say fully God, fully man, but it would suffice to say truly God, 
and truly man. Well, let me ask you this then. So how does Christ, remember we talk about unity uh, via humility in verses one to four. So how does Christ demonstrate or model humility in these verses? He was denying of himself and he was sacrificing himself even when he did not have to. He was worthy of being fully God or truly God. And he emptied himself and he gave himself up, which like he endured God's wrath for for us. And that's just, I think, the most humble thing that somebody could do. Yeah. You have more? No. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think it's interesting too, because as you move through these past, like again, looking at verses five to eight, the incarnation, it's like his coming down. So Christ in verse six, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Okay. So he, he's already not clinging tightly to that. Then verse seven, he made himself nothing taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And we've already talked about this, depraved mankind, born in that likeness. And then being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, so obedient to God, to the point of death, and not just any death, but death on a cross. The excruciating, super public, super humiliating death. He gave up glory. He gave up being with God. And he gave up that authority in learning obedience to the father, uh, even of some of his divine attributes. He emptied himself. It's such interesting language. And we could, sp- we could, we could spend forever here if we really wanted to. But I think coming back to the point, why is this in chapter two? Because we've been talking about humility and this is Christ's example of humility. And it's of course the supreme example because Christ lived a perfect life. Um, yeah, he didn't cling to what he had. He gave it all up to be obedient to the father, to save depraved sinners like you and I who needed much, much is an understatement. We needed much to be counted righteous. Right. And so the attitude from verses three and four, uh, which we looked at last week, uh, is modeled in Christ's humility through verses five through eight. Um, all right. Well, here's the thing. Christ is not just here. Paul, Paul rounds out both sides of Christ coming and leaving. Mm -hmm. So he flips it. It kind of wanders away from the topic of humility for a second to zone in more on who Christ is because a Christ that came to the world to pay for our sins is not the entire picture of Christ. So verses nine to 11 begin to talk about exaltation, Christ's exaltation. And I'm throwing this in as a note before we I ask you guys a couple questions about the exaltation in these passages. The gospel requires exaltation of Christ. Christ didn't just come down and die. There is no hope in that. And in fact, the gospel is futile if Christ did not rise again. And that's the thing. He does rise again and is restored to the glory that he left. And uh, this says, well, in verse nine to 11, what we're looking at now, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. So we say Christ's exaltation, how is, or what phrases lend to that understanding that Christ is exalted in these verses? Just um, the name above every name or at his name, every knee will bow everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. He's given the name above all names. At his name, every knee will bow. 
Christ is Lord. Yep. In verse 11. Yep. Christ that Jesus, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then I think we've mentioned this already, right? God raised Christ from the dead and he's back in heaven. He is not in a grave. He is not, he's, he is back at the, well, elsewhere we read, he is back at the right hand of the father. So he's back at the right hand of God where he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And so this begins to paint for us while while continuing to talk about humility through this chapter, this highlights some very key components for the believer to answer the question, who is Christ? So uh, the question is when we compound texts like this from Philippians or Matthew 28 or Acts chapter two, it, it is that question, who is Jesus? And I would argue that in light of this passage, there are two grand ideas presented there is an incarnate Christ. There is an exalted Christ. There is a savior and there is Lord. So here out of this comes these two questions. And I want to ask this, let's clarify these. So what is a savior? A savior is somebody that saves or something that saves from, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from something. Right, right, right. It's someone that saves you from something. Now, how is Christ that? Well, without Christ saving us from how wretched and like we cannot pay the debt that is required to be in heaven with God. And without Christ coming and saving us, therefore being a savior, we would spend eternity in hell. Yeah. Christ saves us from our default direction. And uh, I mean, this is, this is really at the heart of the gospel. We are human. We are born broken and we don't have the righteousness required to stand before God. And so Christ is sent in the form of man to die a death on a cross that he does not have to die, but he's humble, humble enough to do it, to be obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, so that our sins are paid for. And he also lived a perfect life. He was entirely righteous. He never did sin. And that perfection, that righteousness is given or imputed to us so that we can stand before the Lord. Christ is our savior because he saves us from our hellbound ways. Yeah. Okay. Well, then the other one that comes out of this, and it's kind of in that verse 11, right? That every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay. So we've said Christ is a savior. Now we're saying Christ is a Lord. What is a Lord. We kind of throw this around all the time. We go, Oh, Christ is Lord. Jesus is Lord. In the old Testament, you might see Lord, all four letters, capital. Well, let's, let's strip it down for a sec. What is a Lord? Someone with like power and authority over others. Someone kind of, yeah. Someone with power and authority. And how, how is Christ a Lord? Cause he's God. Because God. <laughs> God created everything. He has power over everything. Yeah, God created everything. And he just, he is Lord. He has been exalted back to that place at the right hand of God. And he is Lord. And I know that was a bit of like a somewhat trick question. But the point is, and what we have to pull out of this is that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so what we see in this passage, and I think what's also, it might, it refutes bad theology. And I'll get to that in a second. Is this, if, if a person is found in Christ, is Christ, Christ is both savior and Lord. He is your Lord and your savior. And you don't really have the ability to take him as one or the other. 
Because he's not just a savior who frees us to live how we want with no penalty. We actually talked in an earlier episode um, that we are free and thus privileged, but also obligated to live in a way that is honoring to God. And I'm reminded of Romans 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? If Christ is our savior who freed us from sin, why would we want to go back and keep on sinning? And not just that, he's not just a savior, but the other half of that is that he's a Lord and he's not just a Lord who demands legalistic rule following, right? We've talked about legal, like legalism before. It's someone that just follows rules for the sake of following rules. There's no heart or right attitude behind that. Anyway, that's what I would say. I mean, this is again, synoptic of this passage. We could, we could truly mine this phrase by phrase for hours and hours, but Christ demonstrates his humility. He is exalted back to the right hand of God. And he is to those found in Christ, to those true believers. He is both a Lord and a savior. So might it be true of us believers that we recognize that he is both And might we see the privilege it is to obey Christ as we press on towards heaven. To our friends that are listening, we trust you will let the word of Christ dwell in you richly this week. No matter how you are getting this episode, be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a comment or review. It really helps us out. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And be sure to check out our other McGregor podcast channels. Just head over to knowthewordpodcast.com for all the details. Thanks for listening. Oh, 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 oh,